Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I am thrilled you are here today. So grateful that you are making the commitment that we both agreed you would be here each week listening and learning and growing to make 2021 an epic year for yourself. So thank you for being here again this week and listening in. I'm here because I'm passionate about helping women have the impact and influence they need in their careers. So if you haven't shared this episode with a friend or a colleague at work, please do so. My goal is to make a huge impact on women. And one of the ways we can all do that is by helping each other. So find two people this week and tell them about the show and ask them to subscribe. I would be very, very grateful. So I'm thrilled to introduce you to my next guest, and her name's Eva Stortz. Eva is an entertainment marketer, a brand strategist, and a career strategist. She is a marketing consultant and executive coach. She's also an author of a fabulous book called From the Outhouse to the Mouse House, Crap You Need to Know for a Dream Come True Career. Not only do I love the title of this book, It's a summary of Eva's 20 years working for Disney Corporation. And I have to tell you, Eva is someone that walks the talk. She talks about the power of positivity, the power of relationships, and the power of networking to get us from where we are to where we want to be. And she gives specific examples of how you can do that, especially if you're looking to change careers. Eva's mindset is also really powerful. From the time she was little, she believed anything was possible. So much so, Eva took a one-way ticket to Hollywood because she knew she wanted a career in the entertainment industry. Eva is a true example of her belief that we all have the power to create the life we want to live. I can't wait to dive into this episode. But I have to share with you, if you are listening to this episode and you're saying, this is great, but I don't know what the next steps are for me, and you're looking for the clarity and the confidence to know what's next, then please consider joining our next Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. It starts on June 3rd. We are taking applications right now. Today's May 5th. So think about it as you're hopefully enjoying your margarita or your chips and salsa today. But it aligns with exactly what Eva talks about in this episode, building relationships, building positivity, building a powerful network of other women. Wouldn't it be great to do that with 12 to 15 women? I can tell you the women that have been through the program have absolutely loved every minute of it. So go to womenleadingpowerfully.com and hit apply now. And if you're not sure you're ready to apply, then schedule a 30-minute complimentary call with either myself or my business partner, Lori Tab. We run the program together, and we would be happy to have a conversation with you to find out if it's a good fit for you. We would love to have that conversation with you. So let's dive into the episode with Eva Stortz. And as you're listening, I want you to think about one question. What could you do if you believed anything was possible? What magic could you create for yourself, for your life, for your career? So think about that as you listen. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast, 
I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Eva, I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. I am delighted to be here. Well, I would love for you just to start by telling my listeners a little bit about yourself and your career history. Sure. Um, currently, I call myself a entertainment marketer, a brand strategist, and a career strategist. And my entire career has been entertainment marketing oriented. I'm working with the studios as well as the toy companies, which are like two big industries here in LA. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, my my whole career was that, but I spent 20 years at the Walt Disney Company and that training is really what's grounded me and made me kind of a career advice enthusiast just because there's so many magical, wonderful things to learn, like uh, working at that company for so long. So I love sharing stories about it. Uh, Well, I completely agree. It's something you and I have in common. I know we spoke briefly about this. Obviously, I was working there in a much different capacity. You were, you know, at Walt Disney Corporate. Um, But I actually, and I don't know if my listeners know this, I actually worked at Disney um, starting when I was 16. And I worked there until I was 20. And I have to tell you, it, I feel First of all, it was one of the best jobs I ever had, especially as a teenager, because I got to meet so many people and it really was just a wonderful experience working there. And from a business perspective, I feel it really cemented kind of my business ethic and my work ethic moving forward in, you know, into my professional career. The training I had, even as a part-time associate, was phenomenal. So I would love for you to share you know, with the audience, you know, what, you know, talk to us about your career at Disney, what you did and what really were, were the big lessons that you learned from your, your training there? Well, I, I started in uh, a lot like 1992, which, you know, sounds like so, so long ago, uh, but it feels like yesterday to me. Uh, I started in the home entertainment division and the home entertainment was not on my career path. You know, I wanted to work in advertising uh, and promotions and stuff like that. But an opportunity came up and I said, I went for it and I got super lucky and got that role. And um, I just feel like my career has been very magical because it's not even something that was on my list. And I ended up being there during the Lion King the first time and being part of that home video release. And at the time, the division was run by a woman which was also really interesting to me being a, you know, a young, ambitious woman and having such a big division of the Walt Disney Company being led by a woman was amazing. Um, but my goal at the company was to move around a lot. And so I was only in that division a couple of years. Then I went to consumer products and that division was led by a woman. So wow. yeah, like I, I feel like very fortunate because I had such strong female role models. And, you know, it's, it was, it was great because it was very business oriented. And again, like 
like when working with clients and I tell the story, like sometimes you just have to say yes and follow what the universe provides. So again, working in toys and apparel and consumer products was not on my, you know, it's not what I went to school for. It's not what I wanted to do, but oh my gosh, so much to learn, such amazing experiences. So in that division, I changed jobs every two or three years. And so I uh, worked my way up from assistant manager to vice president and everything from brand management, franchise planning, retail marketing. I was the head of sales for toys for a while. So, you know, those stories are really about pitching the big Walmart buyers and like, you know, getting your, your thick skin from like serious, um, like sales stuff, like retail stuff, like he sure. did. And so yeah. I, it was an amazing, amazing career. Um, you're working with type A people. Um, you're there to create magic. It's, it's a big company, but entrepreneurial. You're encouraged to take risks and be innovative and do things that have never been done before. And there's such a leader that you're really competing with what you last did. Like they barely looked mm -hmm. at the other studios, which I thought was interesting. It's really what can we do that we've never done before? And I thought that was a really interesting lesson as well. And again, I it was so great that I actually did write a book about it. Uh, after I left, I don't know if I thought I was afraid I'd forget or I don't know, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to write all this down. So I literally just started writing down stories, uh, that best practices, uh, the, the greatest advice that the leaders ever gave me, what I observed and learned by watching so many leaders over the years. And, you know, it's it was just an amazing training. Phenomenal. Uh, no, I love that you shared that and super excited to share the news about your book with my listeners. So tell us a little bit about the book. What's the title of it? Um, I already know because it's super catchy and I love it. Um, but would love for you to share that. And then we'll kind of dive into some of the, the leadership lessons that you talk about in your book. Yeah, well, the story begins in uh, in West Virginia. And I know we are talking a lot about magic today, which I totally believe in. Uh, in fact, I wanted to mention one of my favorite quotes. And it was it's by the guy that wrote um, Willie, uh, Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dow. And he said, um, those who don't believe in magic will never find it. And so mm. I don't know why as a kid, I just always believed anything was possible. And growing up in very small town, West Virginia, my grandmother didn't even have running water. And it's so funny because we didn't even know we were, we, I didn't feel like we were poor. Everything was great and exciting. And we had loved to go to grandma's house and, you know, swim in the creek and bring water in from the creek. And even walking up that hill to the outhouse, it was magical. You know, the stars are sparkling. I don't know. I always just believed that anything was possible. And so... I always knew I wanted to work in entertainment from a young age. My family was very into the, the movies. And after college, I took a one-way ticket west to Hollywood. And so I named my book From the Outhouse to the Mouse House, Crap You Need to Know for a Dream Come True Career. And, you know, <laughs> I love that. Okay, I have to ask you, how did you come up with the title? Because it's so, it is, It's first of all, it's magical and it's so humorous. I love it. I don't know. You know, it's... um I was laid off from the Walt Disney Company in 2012, the week of my 50th birthday, two weeks before my 20th anniversary. And I think that story is important to share because so many people, especially this past year, have found themselves in that, yes. in that position. And, you know, I went through all the grieving process, anger, denial, bar I did it all. But by day two, 
I sat down and said, okay, grateful. How grateful are you? My God, that was an amazing ride. And now what can you do? And, and on day two, I'm like, I'm going to aim even higher. You know, I'm going to start my own company. Like it, and I like to share this story because, um, it's absolutely possible to create your second dream come true job. And then your third dream come true job. I thought Disney was it, honestly. And it was so fantastic, but life absolutely continues to get more interesting and better. And I think that like having that lens and, and having that perspective is so powerful. Uh, and so I, when I was writing the book, it was weird because it just started flowing and I didn't have, at the time, I didn't even know it was a career advice book. I just started writing out of order as things popped into my mind. And one day it just occurred to me that we called Disney the mouse house. And I'm so anchored and so uh, proud of my humble West Virginia roots and, and my grandmother. I have her picture on my desk. Um, I, I just love going back there. It just popped into my head. Outhouse, mouse house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, at Disney, people don't believe it. We cuss like sailors at Disney. And so <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, and so I wanted to use the SH word. And of course, my publisher wouldn't wouldn't let me. Um, and now, of course, there's tons of books with swear words in them. But, you know, that I I don't know. It just sort of came to me. I absolutely love it. And, you know, I love that you talk about your beginnings and you know, your humble upbringing and just how that really grounded you. But I also talk, I love how you said, you know what, I always knew that anything was possible. And, you know, what you're really talking about is mindset. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're sharing your story. And it's so important right now, because so many of my listeners, so many of my personal clients have gone through a layoff, have gone through, you know, companies shutting down, and maybe they've worked there for a long time and, and they have, you know, they're loyal and they're, they're, you know, dedicated to the company. And all of a sudden they get this gut punch of, wow, you know, things are totally shifting. I wasn't expecting this. And it is a really hard thing for people to, to come to grips with. And so I love that you're sharing your story and also, you know, hey, this is, my second dream job, and I can also have a third dream job. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, how do you how do you develop that mindset? I think I got lucky with my father um, because he had all kinds of side hustles. He worked in a factory um, to just take care of the family, but he always had something on the side, uh, a T-shirt store, a wholesale business. He did real estate. And so I think I got it from my dad that, you know, you got to go for it in life. And, you know, it's it. And my grandmother, like she had 11 kids in a three bedroom house. And wow, she was the happiest, just happy, laughing, smiling, no stress. Everything's good. Like I just I, I was very fortunate to grow up where positivity and, you know, and having fun and living life fully and boldly, um, was just kind of part of my, my childhood. And, you know, the, the secrets that they say in all the articles are true. It's gratitude. Like we all have those moments of self-doubt and, um, 
can I do it again? Is it going to be okay? But always if you ground yourself in gratitude, you know, that's, that's what I did with Disney. It's like, oh my God, I get to take that with me 20 years of lessons and friendships and best practices and training and knowledge. I'm so grateful. And, you know, I had no idea, you know, what was going to, what was going to happen, but I just believed that there was something else, you know, out there. And my dad always said, aim, well, it, when, when you're down on your butt, aim even higher, get back up and then aim even higher, you know, and I, that's how I just live my life. I think that's fantastic. Um, thank you for sharing that, Eva. So I'm curious to know, you know, you were working at Disney and I think it's very progressive to have two women leading divisions, especially during that time. What leadership lessons um, did you learn from them? Because it sounds like they were they were good mentors for you. So I'm curious to know from you know those women, what what did they share with you or what did you observe from them that really formed and, and shaped your leadership? Well, the upon reflection, what occurs to me about both of those women is that they um, neither of them had children and their jobs were their their life. And they wore pantsuits. <laughs> they they led like men. I mean, they were tough. They were very strategic. They 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 led um you know, with bold confidence, you know, here's our goal, here's what we're going to do. And so I watched that. And then I started wearing pantsuits and I became, you know, probably much more um, bold than I am as a natural person. And I think that served me well in, in the 90s. Honestly, I think back then we thought we had to do that. But fast forward to 20th Century Fox, which was my most previous corporate gig, the chairman was run by a woman and she wore beautiful dresses, talked about her daughter all the time. Literally at the beginning of her meeting, she asked how everyone's family was, what the spring break plans were. She led like a human, <laughs> just like, uh -huh. and as much as I admired and learned a lot from the women that, that led me in the nineties, it was the woman who led me a couple of years ago that I think is the new um, role model for how we as women should go forward, especially given the year we just had, where every single human on the planet had that vulnerable awakening that this is not guaranteed, you know, and that we should live every day to its fullest. And that like the perspective of what's important, our, our family members and each other. And so I think that's really what I've taken away from looking back and then, you know, the the 20th Century Fox experience and then how I want to lead go forward is, you know, like what we're seeing now. Um, I can never remember her name, but the the woman, um, is it New Zealand or Australia, where she's leading the yeah. country with her baby on her head? Yes. Yes. Know, with empathy and uh, commitment and passion and humanity. And, you know, with Kamala in, in office, like I, I, I'm, I've never been more excited for the potential of us as leaders, because I think we now have more permission to lead with our hearts. Mm -hmm. I absolutely couldn't agree with you more. And I think so much of it has to do with the silver lining of COVID. 
right? Um, you know, men have been home with their wives realizing what it's like to take care of kids and be teachers and and help with housework. And, you know, male leaders who were at the office before are now seeing the realities of family and being more exposed. And, you know, I remember early on in my career, it was actually, the, yeah, obviously there was, it was just kind of this unwritten rule. Like you didn't really talk about your family. You, you didn't talk about your personal life. And that was a completely separate entity. And the more you talked about it, the more you were perceived as not being dedicated to the organization and not being dedicated to your job. And I do feel like I said, over the years, especially in this last year, like you said, that there has been this paradigm shift and there has been, you know, leading more, you know, with humanity and accepting the fact that, you know, kids are running in Zoom calls, you know, in the background. And just, I think that realization of we are whole people coming to work, both as leaders and as individual contributors. So, you know, I'm so glad you bring that up because it's so true. And, and I see this as a huge opportunity for women to pave the way in leading in more of a feminine, collaborative, humanistic leadership style. Yeah, I, I think more men have also started to realize that we need more women, you know, because we we tend to be very thoughtful and planful and strategic and compassionate, like we never lose sight of purpose, you know? So I, I am, I'm just like super, super excited to see how it, un, it unfolds for, for us and men who maybe men no longer have to pretend like they don't want to go home and see their kids, <laughs> you know? Right. So I think it's, I think it's not just awesome for us. I think it's awesome for men as well, you know, and more and more companies are offering paternity leave, which like, I have a best friend who's on paternity leave right right now for three months, you know, and so I I think it's just a it's it's a reset for all of us. And there was a lot of progressive things already happening, but I'm hoping that this accelerates the opportunity for all of us to live a full, you know, the work life balance that we all really want. Um, I learned the hard way that hard work doesn't equal success anyway. Like in my 20s and 30s, I was working 70 hours a week. There were people working way less getting promoted. It's not about that, you know, being in the office all the time. It's about relationships. And men knew that men have always known this. And I think we women are finally figuring that out. Men always knew that it's not about the perfect report. It's about going golfing and building relationships and that network. And I think women are, are, finally waking up to that fact. Yes, we work hard and we're smart and strategic, but spending time on the relationship part of work is how you make your projects bigger and how you also progress in your career. And I couldn't agree with you more, Eva. And I'm also curious, you know, based on your history of of Disney and your other work experience, what other differences do you see in women in leadership, you know, like what lessons would you say, you know, from your career that you say, you know, look, women need to spend more time on relationships. And what other leadership lessons do you feel that there are for women? Definitely asking for promotions. And there's all kinds of like stories written about this. Men don't mind stretching, like they'll go for a promotion, and maybe they have two out of 10 qualifications. 
A woman feels like she has to have 10 out of 10 or even like 12 out of 10. Exactly. Yes. You know, so I think we have to learn to ask for it. Men always knew that. Men always knew that you got to go for it. And, and, you know, they were faking it before they made it long before Beyonce taught us that we should do the same, right? (laughs) Yeah. So definitely being bold and asking. um, and, And again, just not thinking that by doing the perfect work, like writing the best report is what's going to get you promoted. And I learned that it's really more about the innovation and the idea than perfection. And I think as women, we we try too hard to make it perfect or be perfect before we think we've earned, you know, that next, that next step up the ladder. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, part of that, I'm actually doing a, a talk this Friday, talking about the socialization of women and how from the time we're little, we're socialized, you know, be be a good girl. And I, well, let me preface this by saying, I don't think this is the case so much. I think it's for our generation, you know, women in their 40s, 50s, 60s on up. You know, we were raised in a different time where there were definite gender roles in terms of chores in the, in the home and out of the home, right? There were definite roles and responsibilities with careers um, socially we were taught to, you know, be a good girl and act like a lady and think about the things that are said in our, in our generation, you know, boys will be boys. You know, it meant, you know, the implication there was boys didn't have to follow the rules. You know, boys were just going to be boys. And I was just reading in preparation for this talk, I'm doing a great book, which I highly recommend called Women Don't Ask by Linda Babcock and Sarah Lachever. And you know, that book talks about just the socialization that we were brought up with and how, you know, young men are taught to circumvent the system. So they're taught by their dads to give the mater d' a $20 bill so they can get a seat first in a restaurant. We're not taught those rules. And so we go into our careers following all the rules or the unwritten rules and like you said, we hold ourselves back from promotions. We don't ask early and often enough. We don't ask for raises. So completely agree with you 100%. And I was affected by that. I've talked about it on the podcast before. You know, I um, was going for a lateral move in my organization. And it was kind of the, I thought it was a written rule, but apparently it was an unwritten rule that, you know, you weren't supposed to get any kind of bonus or pay bump when you took a lateral position. And I had a male colleague who was a level above me saying, hey, are you going to ask for a one-time bonus? You're going to ask for a pay bump. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. It's a lateral position. He said, sure you can. And I did. And I ended up getting yeah. a pay bump out of that, which that became the new base for my you know, future raises and, and bonuses. And if I wouldn't have asked for that, I would have never gotten that. So I completely agree with you. And I think it's just something that's so important for women to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. You don't get if you don't ask. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I'm curious, what's important to you now in your career? Where are you headed on this next chapter for yourself? Well, I, I like variety. And so I'm building what I call a portfolio career where I, I still love consult, uh, doing the entertainment marketing consulting. 
And the world is changing so quickly right now, especially in the marketing space with digital and, you know, content becoming so critical, even for brands to have like social media channels with like stories and content, um, you know, the whole TikTok phenomenon. Like I just, I feel like if I don't keep my hands in it, I'm going to regret it because it's just moving so fast and I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on like exciting, you know, uh, evolution of what, what's happening. So uh, I want to continue doing the entertainment marketing, uh, consulting. And then I'm really loving this idea of, um, executive coaching and helping other people, uh, find their, their dream career. And it's going to be different for all of us. Like work-life balance is only right for you. Like everybody has a different, you know, desire and it might change throughout their life. So I love working with clients to help come up with ideas and a plan and action steps to create the life that they want to live. And I think it's gotten even more interesting now this year because it's such a big reset for every single one of us. And so I think everybody should be taking this opportunity to only carry forward what was working from the way we were living our lives before COVID and take this opportunity to get rid of what wasn't working, you know, commuting every single day for three hours, you know, so it's, right. it's, it's really just such an amazing, amazing chance to rethink what kind of life do you want to live? You know, and I have um, a lot of clients who were laid off, but I have as many clients who are like, you know what, I'm not digging that anymore. That is not making me feel good. Like even people in like big video game uh, companies and the video game industry is on fire. I have a client who said, you know what? I just don't like, you know, the, the monetization, like all day I'm coming up with ideas to take people's money for a video game. doesn't feel good anymore. I want to do something that's more mission oriented, that can make a meaningful impact in somebody's life. And so they're, they're going to transition out of a very high paying job in a growing industry because it doesn't feel right to them anymore. So, you know, I, I think it's super exciting. I completely agree with you. And, and I think people are looking for more purpose driven work, uh, meaningful work, work that brings them fulfillment. So what do you say, you know, kind of as a, a career coach helping people plan those next steps? What do you say to that person that's in the video game industry who's making a really comfortable living, um, who maybe wants to go to, you know, uh, has a love for cooking? And that seems so far-fetched because like, well, what am I going to do at 45 or 50 at 55? Am I going to go back to culinary school? Am I really going to, like, is that really realistic? You know, even if it is something that's mission-driven and purpose-driven and fulfilling for them, how do you kind of bridge that gap? Well, there's a couple places to start. And, and one is what's most important to you. And I ask clients to rank from a list, money, work-life balance, learning, culture, upward mobility, uh, like just rank those. Let's rank those. And then that helps me guide, you know, how to, how to help them achieve that, you know? So if money is a priority, there's certain things that you would do differently than if work-life balance is a priority. And then always like uh, starting with a person's strengths, like whether they were laid off or they want to change, 
you know, we've learned now that we should be harnessing our strengths, not worrying about what we're not good at in life, in life, but really focusing in on what are we exceptionally good at and how can we use those strengths to make those changes that we want to. And then I really, um, in my book, I, I boiled it down to like three things. No matter what you want to do in life, I really think it boils down to relationships and networking. And if you are in video games and you want to be um, a chef, then you really need to start finding chefs who will talk to you <laughs> and tell you <laughs> yeah. what that life is like and how, their story, how they got there and what training is really required. And, you know, before you even invest too much time, start, you know, just talking to people who are doing what you want to do. And, you know, people are so generous with their with their time. Um, mm -hmm. it, I love networking with strangers. And so I'm always encouraging people, you can find anybody these days. So if you have a far, something that seems far-fetched to you, like just experiment with it by talking to other people and try it on that way. And even ask if you can shadow them, like what's a day in a life, you know? So those are some of the ideas I, I give people. I think those are great ideas, Eva, and I appreciate you sharing that. And um, not sure if I shared this on the podcast before or not, but that's how I found my new career. So I had been in consumer packaged goods industry for 27 years. And my husband asked me the pivotal question when I turned 47. He said, what do you want to do when you retire? You're coming up on 25 years with Mars. And I said, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I had had my head down doing my job, you know, trying to get promoted or the next raise or raising and, and raising my kids that I hadn't really looked up to think about what I wanted in the future. and. I did exactly what you just suggested. I started talking to people. Back in my undergrad, I always wanted to be a therapist and I wanted to major in psychology, but I was kind of too far along in my education and my parents didn't have the funds to have me there for an extra year. And so I stayed on my business track, but I always had it in my heart that I wanted to be a psychologist. And so I started talking to psychologists. I thought, you know what, maybe at 47, I'll go back to school and I get my, my credentials and I'll do that. And I had a pivotal conversation with an executive coach who had been a therapist and had left her practice to become an executive coach. And that conversation, that one conversation was completely pivotal. Two weeks later, I signed up for co my coaching certification because she said, look, you know, I've, I've done both. And I think based on your business background and, and what I've experienced, I think you would excel and really be more fulfilled being an executive coach versus a therapist. Here's why. And everything she said resonated with me. And two weeks later, I signed up for coaching certification and, and the rest is history. And I completely pivoted my career based on that one conversation. That's amazing. Wow. I, I often ask people what they, what they started studying in college. And if they changed, why? Because so many of us had like something in our mind. Like I, I started, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. And really, it was because I wanted to help people, you know? Mm. And so I asked that question because there's a grain in there. Like what we went to school and signed up for, there's a grain of, of, of something that was a desire or a dream for us. And we often abandoned it. I had to abandon it because I couldn't do trigonometry. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm with you. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't oh, have been that, able to do it either. Hard <laughs> but I went back when I was thinking about, you know, what do I want to do next? The desire there was really to be of service and to help people. Yep. And so that's how I navigated myself here. Cause you got to go back to those early, early days. What was that dream? And what was that about? And, you know, what can you do about it now? How can you fulfill that dream and that purpose? Like some of us, when we're young, like our purpose is like brewing in us, you know, and we might be have denied it back then. So to go back and rethink those, those thoughts about what did I want to be when I grow up, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's an important yep. conversation to have with yourself. No, absolutely. And and that was the case for me as well. And that completely resonated because when I wanted when I think back of why I wanted to be a psychologist, it's I wanted to help and serve. Probably when I was in my early 30s, I actually thought about being a teacher. Again, it was around training, helping and serving, right? And so here I am doing that later in my career, but when I look back in hindsight, I can see this through line of that same passion for for helping and serving and and making an impact. So completely agree with you and I think that's really savvy advice to people who are looking who are in a position either uh you know planned or unplanned of looking at changing their careers. Anything else you want to share either about leadership lessons or any interesting stories from the book that you'd love to share with my audience? Well, I, I, th people often ask me, what's the, the number one piece of career advice you ever got? And I, I got so much, you know, I've gotten so much that it was hard for me to come up with one, but I think the biggest one was never have lunch alone at your desk. And from this leader, I really did start learning about relationships and networking. And he was amazing at it. Well, he did breakfast, lunch, dinner, happy hour with somebody. You know, he was a maverick at networking. And I mean, he's now a president over at Universal. And I think that, you know, it was his relationship skills that made him successful in his job and also his, his career. And so again, I, I always go back to relationships and networking because every single client that I've had from consulting or coaching was a referral from my network. And so oftentimes we think we only need to network when we're looking for a job, but we should be networking every single day. And that human connection with another person is also what makes life fun. Like people are like, oh, networking, oh, I don't want to do it. But having people in your life, that's what makes this all like interesting and fun. And so whether it really is just getting to know someone on a personal level um, and becoming friends, uh, that's good too. Maybe it doesn't lead to a professional uh, benefit anywhere down the road, but it's still good just to know people and connect with people. But I found in my career that that it's just gold. You know, all the people having this big expanded network and also helping my clients, like no matter what a client wants to do, it's quite possible I know somebody who has done that because my network mm -hmm. is just so, so large, you know, so definitely the relationship and networking thing is the, the number one, the number one lesson. Um, and then bring your heart to work. Um we talked about that as being female leaders, but it was actually a male leader that I had that I write about in my book who never forgot to remind us of our purpose. And he was uh, the head of the toy division. 
And especially when we weren't hitting our numbers or the pressure was on and people were fighting and people were stressed, he'd be like, wait a minute, why do we make toys? Oh, you're right, Tim. It's to make kids happy. <laughs> you know, and, yep. you know, he knew everyone's name. He walked around, he took his shoes off and walked around like he just made it fun and human. So the bring your heart to work thing is just a reminder that we're all just big kids. We want to do well. We want to have a great career, but mostly we just want to have fun, you know, and, and provide value to um, our families and, and the world. So just that, that, you know, reminder to have fun and consider your career an adventure. Oh, it's such, it's such great advice, Eva. What is your advice for someone who really wants to maximize their career potential? Well, definitely relationships. And in, in my book, I came up, I don't know where I got this. At Disney, we were always coming up with acronyms and like formulas. And so when I looked back on the all the leaders that I worked with and learned from from Disney, I tried to come up with what was the common attributes, like what did they all share? And definitely relationships was one of them. Uh, but the other one was positivity. And no mm. matter what was going on, because business things, bad things happen in business all the time. But sure. the ability to be solution oriented and positive and high energy and know how to walk in a room and lift people up if if they're down. So relationships, positivity, and then motivation. The the leaders that skyrocketed and did well were those that were never like told what to do. They were just self-motivated to do something that never been done before, to innovate, to have fun, to take risks. And so I call it RPM. And that's what will keep you moving forward. Relationships, positivity and motivation. And it, it sounds simple, but simple is not always easy. You know, mm-hmm. we, we all know we're supposed to sleep eight hours, drink eight glasses of water, you know, eat healthy food. Um, we all know. And in our careers, we know I should be networking. You know, I should be making bolder moves. I should be asking for a promotion. Um, we know we just don't do it. And so when people are overwhelmed or lost, I always say the, the number one thing you could do is network. If you don't know what else to do, reach out to somebody in your existing network or find a stranger at a company doing a job you want to do, you know, and if you're struggling with positivity, get out your notebook and write down things you're grateful for and get mm-hmm. your energy back positive uh, any way that you need to. And then stop sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Like you've got to create the magic. And that's like mo- being having the ability to motivate yourself to get up and, and make things happen. So that's, that's really always my career advice is to focus on those three things. Well, Eva, you've done a great job of role modeling RPM today with my, <laughs> on this interview, you know, building those relationships. Um, you know, being positive and giving people the motivation and my listeners to to go out and do something different this week. You know, go network with someone that you might not have that you've been maybe meaning to connect with. And, you know, how can you show up more positively either at home or at work today? So I always love taking the insights that that you bring and my my other um, guests bring and really inspiring my my listeners to think about how they can put it into action. So 
Any last words of wisdom before we close out our interview today? Well, I love quotes. So I'll use my very favorite quote uh, by Walt Disney. And it's kind of fun to do the impossible. So if you are sitting in a corporate job and want to be a chef, (laughs) it's possible and it's fun. So whatever it is that you want to do, believe you can do it and, and go make it happen. Create the life you want. I love it. Thank you, Eva, for sharing all of your wisdom and your experience and your leadership lessons with my listeners. I'm so grateful you were here today. Thanks for taking the time. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.